Hey everybody, my name is Phil First, CEO, Chief Analyst at Asia First. Welcome uh, to one of our unfiltered video casts. And today we're being joined by um, a very exciting company uh, called the Right Point Group, which is part of GenPact. And joining me are Ron Shamar and Jesse Murray. Welcome, chaps. Um, maybe, uh, Ron, you could just kick us off with a little bit about who you are and what Right Point's all about and why GenPact acquired you and what you're going to do next. Sure. So Ronald Shama, um, I have the, the true honor of, of leading RightPoint. As Phil mentioned, we are part of GenPact. And our challenge in Remit is to figure out where the experience ecosystem um, that cuts across customer experience, employee experience, uh, and partner experience fits within GenPact's large, larger digital business transformation suite. Excellent. And, and uh, also, Jesse, good to have you on here as well. Yeah, absolutely. What's your, what's your key focus at DrugPoint? Yeah. Uh, my remit, I, I'm employee experience in that kind of domain of <laughs> experience ecosystem. Right. Um, I've been with RightPoint for just over 10 years now, um, focused on employee experience and how to drive those transformations. Good. Well, there's been uh, nothing like being in the employee experience space the last few years, three years in particular. Um, do you think we'll get another great resignation event like we went through earlier this year and last year? Do you think that's going to happen again or are things going to be a little different moving forward? I mean, it's been a fascinating three years. If you love employee experience, it's maybe been a challenging yeah. three years uh, as an organization. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do think we're going to see another event. Um, I think if we look at the, the great resignation Right, suspension of talent movement for a while, largely due to the pandemic, but lots of goodwill um, kind of felt throughout the organizations at the time. Um, this one will be a little different. Uh, this, this, this is being driven more by a gap between employee and leadership expectations. Uh, so we'll probably see a suppression in talent movement. Um, we're seeing examples of wrestling power back and gaps in understanding between leaders yeah. and employees. And right, like that's that's just not a a collaborative exercise. So I, I think what uh, what we're seeing is going to be a loss potentially of focus on employee experience. It's creating a talent debt, and I think we're going to have to pay that off later. Um, I, I think it'll be a bigger event than Great Resignation was perceived to be. Wow. And when you say big event, you mean people leaving or people getting laid off? I mean, what do you what do you think is going to happen well, I think in next year? It's going to be a very choppy year, right? So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, I think you're already seeing some layoffs. And, and, and Ron, I don't know if you want to comment on that. But... Yeah, sure. I think uh, as far as it being a greater event, I think it would be with regards to the, the volatility. Um, everything that we hear is that it's a, a tenuous market. And I, don't, I do not think a tenuous market bodes well um, to, to honor the effect that talent needs to be part of an always-on strategy. It's a, it's a difficult arena to be episodic in. And I think people and leaders are trading um, in and out of talent due to some outside market forces. But, but there's a, a rub in that because layoffs can happen quick. Uh, the, the reaction time can move with speed, but in order to, to build back, and in particular to build back against um, strategies like a, a, a total experience framework that covers off on customers, employees, and partners, it's, it's harder to, to build back with the same speed that you're able to make the cuts. So I do think that volatility will put um, uh, 
real unforeseen pressure. Wow. Yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, um, we're seeing, um, well, we did a lot of research, a couple of thousand employees. And one of the things that came out was the number one factor motivating employees um, was being empowered to make more decisions themselves. Um, they want to be more recognized by their direct managers. They're more concerned about the immediate environment around them and their teammates than everybody else. And then uh, they also want work-life flexibility. That was much more uh, in play than uh, the rhetoric coming from leadership and senior management. Is that something that you're seeing a lot, which is the motivations have shifted between what drives employees and gets them excited about their jobs? Yeah, I think I think we are looking at uh, kind of a shift in the, the talent expectations, um, not just from the pandemic, but also generationally speaking, on what what makes a good career, um, even the duration of that career. And um, if you're looking at kind of Gen Z coming in, um, a lot of companies are set up for five to seven plus years as an investment kind of strategy for learning and development. And, and you have a new generational expectation of maybe two to three years um, at, before we're moving moving jobs. And, and it, it really is a fundamental difference. And we also see a gap, uh, which is pretty well reported um, on desire to, for flexible work and what that means and being able to be productive, remote and hybrid versus wanting to be in an office. Um, and we're, we're not seeing a lot of movement from the talent side uh, on that desire, um, even though we are seeing or at least hearing more about um, a desire to be more back in office um, in, in, that, in that space. Right, 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 okay. So um, one of the pieces of data we pulled from uh, the industry, particularly around the tech industry, is that only 14% um, of the 18 to 25 year olds are loyal and 70% overall are actively looking to leave their employers. Um, what does that mean, uh, Ron? I mean, you, you've, you've studied this for a long time. What do you think that means overall as we, as we look out to the future? I think it's a nod back to some of the power shift that we have seen. I think when um, the economy was good, uh, I think that it was easier for companies to orient to where that where the power would lie, but when the economy turned more tenuous and when some of the challenges came, I think intuition said that that would power would swing back to the employer. Yeah, but yeah. what the employee base has shown is to Jesse's point from uh, be it young millennials or Gen Z, that they, they have drawn their lines in the sand and hybrids not going anywhere. I think there's real reluctance um, from a full return to office. So I, I do think it's created a, a real two-way street um, that, that I think was originally thought that it would be um, maybe more one-sided out of the gate in the favor of the employee during the war on talent and during the great resignation, but that that would shift back with the downturn. But I do not believe it has shifted uh, back uh, and maybe much like a pendulum, the, the right answer is in the middle. And I think there's no question that hybrid is here to stay and that it's going to take some some give and take um, by uh, the employers and employees. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, we've done a couple of big roundtables with clients 
uh, in the last couple of months, actually. And um, we're getting feedback from some enterprises that they're going to hit hard with. Uh, they want their staff back in the office three, four days a week in the new year. Uh, what sort of effect is this going to have, do you think, on the workforce and, 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 and job shifts and that sort of thing? Because another thing I saw is um, on LinkedIn, uh, only 15% of the jobs advertised are remote, fully remote. Uh, but 50% of job applicants are going for that 15% of remote jobs. So are we are we entering a phase where people are either going to be a remote worker or an office worker? Do you think that's going to be something that starts to evolve? I think it is uh, definitely part of the equation. What where I think the 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 pressure lies is is this is this become from an employer standpoint? Is this really about the best available talent? Um, or is this best available talent to fit the model or the in-office structure that uh, an, an employer wants to run? Um, and I think that becomes a, a real difficult sticking point because I think in, in, in a pure form, CEOs would be hard pressed to say that they do not want best available talent. And I think that the variable would be the mix in a hybrid frame over the amount of in-office time. Um, I think as we've seen with some of the large financial services institutions and investment banks, where they are going to be steadfast and mandate the in-office work, we've seen a revolt on that side. So, so I think that flies in the face of, of, of a best available talent model. So again, I think it's gonna create some fungibility, ag agility, um, you know, in the power shift. Yeah, it's uh, nothing like we've ever seen. And, um, you know, one of the things that is dominating conversations, and we had some CX leaders together just last week, is we can't stop them talking about the uh, complexities of trying to manage in this environment. I mean, they're really struggling with it. And some some executives are just saying this isn't working. Like this just is not working. Um, is this a problem? Do you think with management um, just struggling to figure out how to be more effective in this environment, or is it just some people are operating well uh, and some aren't? I mean, it, it's getting to a point now where it's becoming like the biggest issue that is being discussed when uh, companies are getting together. Yeah, I, I think it does rest on both sides, Phil. You know, I had a conversation uh, recently with a C-level executive at a um, large-scale telecommunications company, and the person introduced this frame that that never before has have leaders lacked confidence in that they know who the star performers are in particular with regards to, to youth and the aforementioned young millennials and Gen Z, that there's, there's not a utilization report in a professional services firm that's going to tell you where your stars are. And unless you really adapt the full suite that is available uh, from an employee experience standpoint, the you're not able to see the hustle. You're not able to see the work ethic that we all grew up in in a physical office. So I think it's really taken leaders um, confidence way down that they know who the stars are in, in the organization. Um, so while I think that the pressure is on, on both sides, I think 
the it's the side of the the leader and the employer that that has more to lose um, because I think there can be you know more uh, agility and than just with the the rule set that uh, young millennials and, and Gen Z are playing by is is a is a rule set that um, folks with that have as much gray hair as, as I do are you know have to go have to work hard to understand that mindset because it it doesn't come natural yeah uh, yeah sorry Jessica I was, I was gonna say it actually um in, in your most recent report you're one of the things in there was like what is it that's attractive about startups um or starting up um and I think part of it well, I do a less and more thing. Uh, there's less bureaucracy and there's less technology friction and there's more clarity of purpose and there's more ability to work the way that is most effective, right? There's, there's just less rules in place. And I think to, to Ron, Ron's point there, um, as a leader, if you're more comfortable in that level, that style of management um, and that flexibility is granted, there's a freedom that comes with that. And I think that is part of what is attractive um, in, in the startup mode. Um, and, and I think when you're looking at as an established company, um, I, I can't remember what the exact numbers are, but we said like we did five years or 10 years of technology advancement in uh, during the pandemic and what have you. What we did not do is five years of leadership advancement, right? And I think right, like right, we, right. We, we really need to focus on new ways of managing um, supporting leaders in how to work in a hybrid sense and how, how to really change that behavior as much as we were able to change the technologies that we use to, to support it. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? So it's a very last question. Um, what can EX learn from CX in terms of technology and best practice from, you know, you guys have made a great business in the, in the CX domain and you know, building an EX has proven with your performance in our recent research report. Um, what can one learn from the other? Yep, I think um, some good news. There's been a lot more spoken about, and I think HFS has been a bit of an evangelist in this regard about the alignment um, between CX and, and EX. But I think it goes, you know, much further than than alignment, um, and and as part of being part of the same ecosystem. I think I maybe overcorrected some of the talk track to, to just the whole world is focused on, on, on CX. And I think some of that has come at the expense of EX. And we kind of flipped that a, a bit and, and was quite bold in saying that we do not think you can get CX right unless you get EX right. And I think some of the evolution that we've seen about looking at it from, from an ecosystem view standpoint, um, not only taking CX, not only taking EX, um, but taking the partner landscape as well, I think it ties back to a little bit of, of where our conversation started is that we, we cannot overcorrect on any piece of this pie and we have to look where, where the overlap happened. But it, the the executives that I speak to, very low confidence interval where they think they have it right today um, across the different parameters of um, their customers, their employees, and their partners. And they all almost universally recognize that they need to rebalance this equation. Yeah, completely agree. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, Jesse and Ron, I think. Uh, 
there's a lot going on in this uh, world of employee experience and it's going to get even crazier next year with all the dynamics happening in the economy and inflation and all the things happening. So uh, let's watch this space and uh, we'll keep covering it. And thanks very much for your time today. Thank, Thank you, you Phil. Much. Cheers, thanks.